Welcome to Rendezvous with Yash Shahan, the podcast for the everyday hustler. Here, we talk to experienced people from all walks of life and ask them about their fields and how youngsters and students can prepare themselves for the world. Watch and learn about how to become the best possible version of yourself and elevate your life to a whole another level. Enjoy. What is going on guys? Welcome to the fourth episode of Rendezvous with Yash Chauhan. For this episode, we have with us Mr. Virain Bourbon. So, is a fitness coach, a fitness enthusiast, a strength coach, and so was also the runner-up for the 2016 Mr. India competition. Sir and I had a very interesting conversation about a lot of topics, including how to make fitness a part of your lifestyle, easy and cheap diet plans for students along with workout plans, how to make workout at home during lockdown super interesting, and how to increase your immunity during this difficult time. This episode is for anyone who wants to make fitness a part of their life and is starting out regardless of their age. But Mind this, if you're a student, then this episode is extra special for you because Sir and I talked about some student-centric topics as well, including the use of drugs and intoxicants. All in all, this is a totally awesome episode and I'm sure that you'll derive a lot from it. If you like it, please give us a rating as it really helps us grow in the long term. As for now, like always, enjoy this episode of Rendezvous with Yash Chauhan. Alright guys, what's good? Today we have with us Mr. Virain Burman. First of all, so even before I begin, it's an honor to have you on the podcast and it's a true pleasure to be talking to you, sir. Thank you, Yash, for having me on. Uh, it's really my pleasure. I love that you're going out in the world and getting things done, uh, such as this podcast. And uh, like I said before, like we've had the conversations before, I really like people who are hustlers, who like to go out in the world and do something, get something done. So that's, that's precisely why I thought, you know what, this seems like, he seems like a good guy. So let's go ahead and let's get this podcast. Let's make that into a reality. Totally. Thanks a lot for that, sir. So, sir, uh, you know, uh, starting off, could you please tell the audience a bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from? And especially how did uh, India come to happen? Okay. So about me, well, um, people tend to think that there's probably a special story to who you are. Um, That's not the case for me. I'm just a regular guy. And uh, just like everybody else, I like staying healthy. I like uh, exploring different aspects of life. And one of those aspects was uh, training and nutrition. So I got into training and nutrition early on. About six years back, I started my career in training and nutrition. Uh, I became a personal coach. And then I got different sort of certifications, strength and conditioning, nutrition, etc. And one fine day, um, I think my dad saw an advertisement in the papers and it said, Mr. India, apply today. And uh, so he told me about it. And I said, no, man, I'm not, I'm not going to go for Mr. India. I don't know what it is. It's not for me. Like, why would I go waste my time? But inside my head, I was thinking, man, I'm going to go there. I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm not going to win. So forget about it. Why go into something you're not going to win, right? You, you know, you don't have a chance. But then he said, you know what, try it out, think about it. A few days passed by and it was the day of the audition. And then he told me, Vrain, you know, it's today. What do you have to lose? Just go, show up and just try out. What's the harm? And I said, you know what, fine. Let me just go try it out. And uh, I show up without any information. All right. I didn't even read the advertisement properly. I just read location, Mr. India audition. Let's go. I said, forget about it. Let's go. Uh, I show up and uh, the first round was uh, basically you had to stand in your swimming trunks in front of the judges and they would gauge, okay, what sort of a physique do you have? That's like the first round of clearance. And then you move on to the next and the next. And I didn't have any trunks because I didn't know about the competition, right? So I literally stripped down to my underwear, (laughs) believe it or not. And uh, like, obviously there were other guys who were not prepared. Uh, so there were a few guys in their underwear, so I had to strip down my underwear, showed up and uh, I started interacting with the judges and one thing led to another and eventually things worked out for me. Although, uh, 
So that year, I got selected in the top 16. But during the audition itself, I tore my hamstring. So I couldn't okay. continue. I got selected in the top 15, 16. Mm-hmm. We reached the guest house. The competition started. They started taking measurements and everything. And that night itself, my pain just got worse and worse. And next morning, I went to the hospital. The doctor told me, you know, you've got a partial tear in your hamstring. You can continue, but you never know. It might just snap apart. So that's a risk you need to gauge for yourself and figure out whether or not it's, impo- it's so important that you want to move through that. Mm. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't want to lose my hamstring. <laughs> in fact, my chances of winning are already hampered. So uh, let's, let's look at other options. So that year, I backed out. And uh, the next year, I showed up a little more prepared and things worked out for me. So that's been my story so far, my journey so far. And that's great, like that's something, you know, that's something, you know, uh, what your dad uh, told you about, you know, that what have you got to lose? That's a very yeah. simple idea as such. Uh, but, you know, people don't actually realize that, you know, they don't actually have a lot to lose. So even personally, absolute, when yeah. I was starting out, I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to make a total absolute fool of myself. I don't have a setup. Like I had a million reasons, but then I'm like, I don't have anything to lose. Like, it's not like just uh, like, you know, if I do not make it on YouTube, then I'll get arrested or like my career is going to go down the drain. Nothing. Like, you know, nothing bad can happen. If there is anything that's going to happen, it's only going to be good. So let's just take yeah. that shot. Let's just take that late. And that's what I did. So even for me, it's turning out to be, uh, you know, comparatively good considering that I have people like you on the podcast. Sir. Definitely. So, so thanks a lot for that. sir. And uh, so you said that you have a lot of fitness certifications and like, you know, you're a certified trainer. So, so uh, the first thing I want to ask you is that how did you like start the journey of becoming a, fit, a certified fitness enthusiast? Like there may be, there are many people okay. who are enthusiastic about it, but people don't know yeah. how to get that professional certification done. Okay. So, I mean, you need to keep in mind your objective and goals. If you're just trying to train people, first of all, a certification is just the first step. So I'm, per, I personally got my uh, CPT certified personal trainer certification from NASM first. Then I got my strength and conditioning uh, specialization from NASM. So there are lots of international bodies that can certify you. Again, certification is absolutely important. It does give you a base of knowledge, but that's just the beginning. You've got to then work with other coaches. Credibility only comes, first of all, um, you got to look the part. You got to look like a coach. You got to look like you work out. Um, If you don't look healthy, if you don't look fit, then what's the point of you training somebody else? then obviously you've got to get your certifications in order because uh, not only does it train you properly, you also have uh, an organization backing you. Like there's a legitimacy to you. Otherwise, any person can just come up out. That's what happens in India. In fact, that people who have good physiques, they're like, body So let me just have a science kind of thing which you get in the gym. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's definitely that. That technical knowledge, obviously, you'll gain. But again, that's just technical knowledge. You've got to apply it. You've got to build up your experience. And after six years, I've come to a point today where I can pretty much handle high-level athletes as well. That doesn't come from day one. You have to put in the work like anything else. And you have to gain that experience. Because coaching, personal training is a lot to do with experience as well. So, so, uh, thanks a lot for that answer. And like you've also, you know, been through college events, symbiosis, and people know symbiosis to be, you know, a comparatively tough college, like in the rigorous system of the studies and stuff. So like, it's, it's not it's like, right. you know, the normal graduation college, it's comparatively tougher to what you get generically, you know, in India. So, okay. you know, you have been there and you've been a fitness enthusiast throughout. So how did you manage like college fun and, you know, like the fitness aspect and how can students manage that? in the current time? So I'll be honest, when I was in college, YouTube and Instagram, Instagram wasn't even there. Um, YouTube wasn't really a big thing. And Mm. um, Instagram was also not there. There wasn't a lot of social media. Facebook was there, but it wasn't a huge deal. So I didn't really have access to resources. I didn't really have access to uh, knowledge. But now, even if you're in school, everybody has a phone. You can just go online. You can YouTube a training program. I have a training program for free on my YouTube page, for example. So there are lots of programs available. At the time, 
I'll be honest, when I was in college, I wasn't really training regularly. I wasn't really serious about it. I would go to the gym, do a few bicycles, train once in a while, squat once in a while, and then skip like day occasionally. <laughs> I just get it <laughs> over with. That. But um, it's really when I started studying about all of this that I gained the knowledge. And then I started to understand, okay, you know what? You've got to actually put in the time. You've got to invest the energy into it. Now, the energy bit remains the same. You still have to put in the work, but the knowledge is way more accessible. So I urge people to just go online. There are lots and lots of free resources. You can look at my YouTube videos. There are lots of great channels as well. Athlean X, for example, is an absolutely okay. amazing channel. So there are lots of free resources available online. And other than that, like there are also coaches that you can hire online because that's what I personally realized after COVID. I was coaching people even before COVID. But now, since we don't really have an option, I had to really invest all of my resources into training people online. And I'll be honest, like this may sound like, sound like a sales pitch, like this guy's doing it. That's why he's you know, doubting the benefits of coaching online. But no, you can actually end up coaching people online. There's a lot that you can do. Granted, it's not going to be the same as if you're training with someone live, but you can coach people online. So you can hire a coach as well if you want. But and that's also comparatively cheaper. Like getting a yes. coach online. Online coaching. Online because coaching you know many people good. have that problem in like getting like a full-time coach. So they have a problem. You know, it's very expensive. It's like 10K a month. As students, you can't, you know, cash in that much. So getting an online coach is definitely good, you know, for like looking on your form and stuff. So that definitely plays the part. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're somebody who's studying in colleges right now, if you're doing like your graduation or whatever, um, again, there are lots of free resources. There's a entire program that I've posted on my YouTube channel for free that you can follow for two weeks. It, it's, it's a two week program that you can repeat over and over and over as many times as you want to, as long as it's working for you. Awesome. So, like you can just do anything that's available online. And uh, I'm also going to be posting a training program with just a single kettlebell. So it's one piece of equipment. So a lot of people can't have access to a gym. They tell me they don't have time to hit the gym. Well, just get one kettlebell, mm -hmm. one band, training band. That's it. That's all the equipment you need to grow. Obviously, so, you're not going to become Mr. Olympia with that. But just but to be healthy. able to you know, manage that uh, health aspect. So that's definitely many people have that misconception that you know we actually need to as a go to the gym to get uh, you know the sweat as a out in the blood pumping but that's not true Absolutely. like even initially i was not really up for home workouts when covid started and for a month yeah. month and a half i was just you know like slouching around at home and like you know just eating whatever i felt like and i gained a lot of weight at that point of time now i'm trying to lose it again but that's kind of a work in progress so okay. once I started the home workouts, I realized, ki, okay, this is, this is not as easy as the gym. Like for me, going to the gym was easier than doing a home workout. So that was kind of shocking for me to realize. Absolutely. And so, uh, could you like, uh, uh, you know, uh, throw light on the topic that, you know, there are many students who feel that, you know, we are in our college, uh, you know, life right now. So, you know, we can drink, we can binge and like, you know, we can uh, do as a hash and uh, pot. And we can still be okay. So what is your take on that? Um, my take is that it's very, very normal to do all of this in college, right? Um, like go out, drink with your friends, have a good time on the weekend, smoke pot if you want to. It's very, very normal. And normal is just a synonym for average. So if you mm -hmm. want to be average, you want to be normal, go ahead, that's, do it. Nobody's stopping you. It's totally, your life. That's awesome. That's awesome. But if you that, want to be better than normal, if you want to be better than average, you got to put in the work. So um, one of my uh, greatest inspirations is Kobe Bryant, right? Uh, he passed away in January. Yeah. Unfortunate uh, that that oh, happened. Okay. But um, I think his, his mentality, the Mamba mentality, is something Mamba that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. Uh, that's a guy who, despite being an NBA champion, would wake up, show up in the gym at 4.30 a.m. and start training. And then go that back. Story of a uh, coach, uh, the one who uh, like he called him up at 4:30. Can you help count train me? Definitely. Exactly. Like, I'm not uh, you know as much of an NBA fan. Like I have watched I guess a yeah. couple of matches like throughout okay. my life. But Kobe yeah. Bryant is someone I followed because of the Mamba mentality. Like that it's was something mentality. which was yeah, it's Absolutely. the mentality, not just the sport, but the mentality which was truly phenomenal for that guy. Definitely. 
and you can apply that mentality anywhere anywhere exactly. right That's now for example, right now for example if i'm sitting at home and let's say at 6:30 pm i'm supposed to go train right and i don't go train you need to imagine that there is somebody out there and this is real there is mm. somebody out there who is going in training who is working harder than you so are you going to let that person outshine you and you're going to be just okay with it or are you going to put in the work and be like you know what no i'm sorry if you want my spot you're going to have to fight for it so totally. that's the mentality you just it's all about the right mindset whether it's kobe bryant whether it's this mindset whatever it is pick one stick to it and just work put in the time people don't do that these days definitely sir so just out of curiosity have you watched the last dance so that's the thing i've seen um i've seen i think five episodes i'm five episodes deep but i've It's... left the rest of them right now because i'm like okay you know what i don't want to use it up i don't want to use up all of that energy yeah, just yet Definitely. I'm going to save it for the day that I'm having a bad day and I'm like oh very and you don't feel like going out and I'm going to watch that and be like oh my god no <laughs> let's go let's get that, that energy definitely that's a great idea like I I will do that in uh, the series I watch you know coming on into the uh, into the future uh, so the moving yeah. on uh, my next question would be that uh, many students have that problem that we are we live in a pg we live in a hostel and you know the hostel food is good if you're lucky it's not terrible but it's not also like the health conscious food that you would need if you want to you know let's say build a physique or just maintain like overall good uh, you know health so uh, could you like suggest a simple diet plan which you know people could follow while staying inside a pg room or inside a hostel room okay so um i'm guessing simple and cheap right yeah okay so what's one thing that's available everywhere dal and rice simplest thing people mm. think dal is a protein good protein source but it's protein and carbs when you combine dal and rice it's usually a very high carb dish but it does have some protein so as a vegetarian that's your go to option step 2 make sure you have eggs in your diet eggs are nutritionally amazing like they have all sorts of minerals vitamins all sorts of nutrition and also healthy fats and protein right so a combination of eggs dal super cheap you can get it anywhere in the world and like as for your excuses just just figure out how to cook it that's it that's all you need to yeah. do so whether you get so what i've personally done is there was a time when i didn't have access to a kitchen so i would take a hot water kettle put my eggs in that boil my eggs in that and just eat boiled eggs if that's too bland for you no problem at all add some dressing make it interesting add some hot sauce make it interesting however you want to so there are lots of options start with dal rice and eggs now if you can add a protein supplement into it if you feel like you're a vegetarian you can't have the eggs maybe you don't have the budget for it in that case stop going out and drinking with your friends save that money and then put that into the protein shake definitely i mean it all comes down to really how bad do you want it do you just want it because you're trying to impress a guy girl or whatever you're into or do you really want it because you want to be the best version that you can be of yourself because there's only one goddamn life life that you're going to live So it's your okay. call. If you want to figure out a way, you will figure out a way. So my diet plan for anybody who's looking for a cheap and easily accessible source of food: eggs, dal, rice. Where it becomes unhealthy is if you have too much of it, according to your requirement. A food scale is can be your best friend if you're really trying to watch mm. your calorie intake. Getting a food scale which is available for six hundred bucks, not even that much. maybe even yeah, cheap you get it like, i i bought mine in the hostel for i guess around 350 400 of amazon itself there you go there you go super cheap you don't have to get a fancy food scale super cheap it can be plastic you can just get access to that that itself is going to change your life because you're going to know how much food you're eating eating too much food is going to increase your body fat eating too less food is going to decrease your performance so you got to find that balance you got to figure out how many calories you should be taking in and that's what's really going to take you to the next level totally sir but so uh, like could you just suggest a simple diet plan like let's say uh, there's a person his daily routine is he wakes up in the morning he goes to college he attends college like let's say till 4 in the evening he works out at 6 pm and he sleeps by 11 so what could be a sample diet plan let, let's say breakfast snacks lunch pre workout uh, post workout dinner so could you just suggest a simple 
that man which people could follow absolutely. Uh, you know again simple and cheap that's the key absolutely okay so breakfast you got to go for eggs simple right breakfast you can have some eggs and a little bit of fruit just to get you through the day i'm con- i'm con- considering the fact that you're just eating carbohydrates you're in the hostel um you don't want to do keto because that may be a little expensive for you that may be impractical because if you don't have access to a kitchen it becomes a little challenging so um eggs right in the morning first meal done with some fruit second meal is going to be i'm guessing lunch time right around college time so at that time you could go for some sort of wrap now it could be a paneer wrap it could be a tofu wrap if you're a vegetarian it could be a chicken wrap if you're a non vegetarian um also obviously since i'm a non vegetarian and a nutritionist i do have a sl- slight bias towards non vegetarian food just because yeah. meat is very nutritious and uh, you can get a lot of your protein a lot of your nutritional requirements such as essential minerals vitamins and amino acids from meat so if you don't have that option then i would recommend maybe a protein shake if you can't do that no problem you can stick to your paneer tofu etc and then for dinner you can have any kind of dal and rice mix which is perfectly fine you can have a dal soup of sorts you can have dal and vegetables anything to fill you up so does that make sense you can have eggs eggs in the morning you can have paneer tofu or um chicken in the afternoon and then you're going to have dal or any kind of carbohydrate with that for dinner all right great so, and what about the pre and post pre and post workout yeah. so a uh, pre workout if you're going to be training strength if you're doing cardio you probably don't need a lot of calories uh, if you're training strength then i would recommend topping up your carbohydrates reserves and basically you should have some kind of protein source before and or after 2 hour 2 hour have a 2 hour window before or after your training window for example if i'm training let's say at 5 pm so if i've had my protein meal at 3 I don't need to worry about post workout I need to get that protein shake in that's not a problem my amino acid pool is topped up it's not a concern but let's say I didn't eat my protein meal 2 hours before my training then it becomes a little more important than within your training window maybe 2 hours after your training window you do top up that protein reserve it's not so important to have protein right before or right after your training it's good to spread it out throughout the day as evenly as possible great understood sir so that, thanks a lot for that diet plan uh, guys i'll make sure that i put link in the description i'll just like you know sum it up in a document and i'll put it there uh, so next question uh, there are many people you know who are again having that issue that we don't have any you know workout equipment with us right now so what kind of a workout can people follow right now and the second question with relation to this one uh, would be that you know there are many people who are in college and like in college especially with the assignments and all the you know requirements of the college life uh, people have the problem that you can't work out daily so you might miss some days just like randomly maybe like you do a uh, back biceps on monday chest triceps on uh, tuesday and like you do legs and abs on wednesday and you repeat this for the uh, coming three days so let's say you miss on tuesday so you weren't able to get the chest triceps in so should you do that on wednesday or should you just skip that and like continue with it as if you did not skip it so like how should people uh, do that all right so you've asked me two questions so i'm going to answer the first question first uh basically if you don't have access to equipment how do you train you can do pretty much any exercise without any equipment in fact like i said the program that i've posted on my youtube channel is an entire full body program without any equipment training your back is the only one that's a little challenging and for that all you need to do is take a bag fill that bag up with books and then just lift that bag use that as a dumbbell you can find mm-hmm. creative ways to challenge your body to make weights out of nothing right there's okay. always an option again all of these resources are available on my social media apart from that the second question is that if you've skipped one day or if you don't have the time how do you then compensate for that so when it comes to strength and conditioning there's a concept called minimum effective volume mev then there's another concept called maximum recoverable volume volume is defined as the number of challenging sets that you're doing per body part let's say if you're doing biceps three sets of biceps 
right, for bicep curls and three sets of biceps for uh, hammer curls. So you've done six sets of biceps in one workout, right? Mm. So that's your total volume. Now, let's say um, in one week, your minimum effective volume is how many sets you need to do per week, per body part for it to grow. That number is usually between eight to 10 reps. So let's say if you're training chest, if you've trained your chest for 10 sets total per week, you're good, right? And throughout a program, it should slowly increase to your maximum recoverable volume, which means that in one week, if you've done 20 to 22 sets, which is usually the maximum recoverable volume for most people, if you've done 20 to 22 sets of chest, anything above that is just junk volume. It's just going to make you tired, but it may not, may not induce muscle growth, right? You just need to stimulate your muscles enough times for it, them to grow. So let's say today I miss my chest workout in my next training session or next to next training sessions, two training sessions. I just split that volume. So if I was supposed to do four sets today, four sets in the next one, four in the next, and I skip today, I take those four sets from today, split them into the next two workouts, two and two, six sets per body part. Okay. So like you don't like, you know, uh, behave as that day did not exist. You compensate for that in the coming days. So let's be honest, we're talking about leg day today, right? This is leg day. Usually people tell me, okay, uh, I didn't have time for leg day, so I'm just going to skip it. Well, you can, you can make do for it in your next leg day, next training session. But Viren, what if I skip two de- leg days in a row? Well, then in that case, there's something wrong with you. You're trying to figure out different ways to go around your training and you should reassess your program. Definitely, sir. Uh, so, so one question with relation to leg day is that like, this is just out of curiosity, like many people, including me face that problem. Like when we do legs, like the next day we genuinely cannot move. So why does okay. that happen with most people? Like specifically in case of legs. Okay. So, um, with any body part, any body part, if you're training today, next day, you're feeling like, Oh, something's not right. That's completely normal. That's encouraged. But let's say two days after you're like, this isn't healing. This is only getting worse and worse and worse. That is a sign that you've overtrained, that you've put more volume, more weight or more intensity than what you can handle. In that case, scale your intensity down and slowly build it up. Right. Why that happens more with legs as opposed to upper body is because with upper body recovery is easier right? Blood circulation in the upper body is easier compared to the legs, although legs are down there. So gravity should allow you, right? But for the gravity to push that blood back up is not as easy as it is through the limbs. Number two, since you're moving your limbs around a lot more, when I'm talking to you, I'm using my arms to talk to you, right? I'm not using my legs to talk to you at all. My legs are absolutely stationary. Even when I'm sitting in class, understanding anything, moving my torso around, yes. Moving my legs, No, people don't move their legs around. So when you don't move the legs around, you're not clearing out all of that metabolic buildup. So that means all of those excess metabolites, they're not going back and getting flushed out of your legs. That's why post-workout, let's say post a leg workout the next day, if you're doing a little bit of walking, that's actually going to help you recover because it's flushing out all of that excess metabolites in your muscles and then clearing that away. That that is what's going to keep you from feeling those dogs. So control your training volume, intensity, control your training intensity. Don't kill yourself at the gym, especially so hard that you're not able to do your next workout. Then that's counterproductive, right? Yeah, totally. And do some active recovery. Got it. Understood, sir. Uh, So like with regards to uh, like, you know, leg days and the pain you feel, many people uh, have that habit that, you know, they start working out like, let's say one, like, there's one person who started going to the gym one month ago and you go into his kitchen today, you see he has whey, he has creatine, he has carnitine, he has like all the supplements out there. So there are some people yeah. who encourage that and there are some people who say that you should, you know, take it slow and like you should okay. do at least one, two years of gymming before you start taking protein. So what's your take on supplementation okay. in general? Like how, like when should someone start? Which supplements should you start with? which is some of the supplements which are, you know, just total like market shams and which are actually yeah. like helpful for the uh, body growth. All right. 
So I personally don't use any supplements at all. I get everything that I personally need from my diet and it's working really well. I've always, got, I always get my blood work checked. Everything's on point, right? Um, as for which supplements people actually need, in my opinion, you potentially need a protein supplement if you're a vegan or vegetarian, just because it's more challenging as a vegan or vegetarian to get a good source of protein, right? Understood, yeah. Um, people say, you know what, broccoli has more protein per gram versus chicken. Okay, but how much chicken do you eat? 300 grams versus how much broccoli do you eat? Nobody eats that much broccoli. Yeah, totally. You can't possibly digest that much broccoli. If you try to eat that much, that much broccoli, you're going to stink up the entire room and like, you're going to have insane bloating and gas, right? So it's just easier to get all of your protein from a non-vegetarian source. It's just that. No, um, no emotional aspect to it. Simply talking logically, right? But um, if let's say you don't want to go for a protein supplement and you're a vegetarian, then you've got to really be careful with your calories. Secondly, uh, a good supplement would be creatine. All creatine does is that it's going to top up your, you, your body naturally produces creatine. It has an X amount, let's say, um, stored at any given point of time. So let's say if you're doing a sprint or you're doing something explosive for maybe eight to 12 seconds, you're going to use creatine as an energy source, right? ADP. And then that's, yes. Yes. So ATP is the currency. The process is through creatine breakdown, right? So creatine binds with uh, the phosphorus molecule. So when it splits, that produces energy. When it rejoins, produces energy. Let's not dive into the science of it. But the idea is that the creatine stores, the more creatine you have, the more ATP you can produce immediately. Mm. So basically increasing your creatine reserves by taking a supplement is the goal. Does your body naturally have it? Yes. Will adding a supplement help? Yes. By how much? It could be the difference between, um, let's say if you're doing four reps of a deadlift with a hundred kilos, maybe you could do that fifth rep. So in one training session, it's irrelevant, but over time, if you're doing that extra rep every single time that can add up. So it's potentially a good supplement, but again, I personally don't use creatine just because I don't really, I'm not into powerlifting as such. So it's, that's Have not you used really any of the supplements powerful. before, like, uh, yes. when you were actively so, like training a lot. So I'm, I'm actually training act more actively right now than I was before. Okay, um, wow. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing two a days these days. So uh, if anyone needs supplements, it would be me. But again, a good nutritious diet can get you through anything, right? Um, so creatine and protein are the only two supplements, in my opinion, that you should take. Should you wait four years? Absolutely not. Everybody needs protein every single day, right? Even if you're not training, you're not exercising, you're laying in bed all day, you still need a specific amount of protein. If you're not getting that through your food, then you use the supplement. But just because you're going to the gym doesn't mean you need the supplement. If you're eating chicken, eggs, all of this, there's no need for whey protein. It's a waste of your money. Totally. Does that make sense? Yeah. As for creatine, just a little extra. No need. Um, Ashwagandha is a great supplement that I personally have used in the past. So anybody who has a high level of stress, who finds it difficult to just relax, chill, um, sleep is impaired. Ashwagandha is an excellent resource for that, an excellent supplement. Uh, it's herbal, it's Ayurvedic, so there's like nothing wrong with that. There it's are also no said to boost testosterone, right, if I'm not wrong? So testosterone uh, is usually boosted if you're in a calmer, more relaxed state, right? Obviously, training is set to boost testosterone, but that's very, very acute. It's for a very short amount of time. So it goes up, mm-hmm. but it's such a transient spike that it doesn't matter. Overall, when you start training, the rebuilding process, when you're actually relaxed in that relaxed state is when that testosterone really comes in handy. So as soon as you get into that relaxed state, it's a good idea, which is why ashwagandha helps. So that's the mechanism through which the ashwagandha is helping boost your testosterone. It's not directly boosting your testosterone. It's getting into that relaxed state is what's boosting your testosterone. And uh, 
in my opinion, these are the only three supplements that you need. Uh, other than that, everything else is just junk. L-carnitine is junk. Um, apart from that, CLA, junk. Arginine, junk. <laughs> Fat burners, junk. You don't need any of that. Mass gainers, oh my God. Those Absolute are junk. There is no need to take a mass gainer ever. It's literally a cheap quality protein supplement plus sugar. Just go out and have rice, man. Have potatoes. Have something that's actually tasty. Have pasta if you want to. No problem. Don't have that nonsense sugar in mass gainers. That's terrible for you. Understood, sir. Uh, so, uh, with regards to the protein intake, uh, like many people, you know, claim that the generic Indian diet is very low on protein. So, uh, first thing, if like let's uh, let's say someone has a very sedentary lifestyle, what should be yeah. the protein consumption for that person? And let's say someone is physically active, they are working out one, one and a half hour a day. And what should be the protein intake uh, like per day, like uh, for both these people? Okay. Um, so I recently did a video on this and uh, it was a bit complicated for people to follow through. So I'm going to leave the more complicated formula out for today. But if anybody wants to know the more complicated formula, you can just go to my channel and check out that video regarding how much protein you need to take if you want to be very, very specific. But generally what I personally recommend is try to take enough protein um, as your goal body weight. So if right now I'm 75 kgs, I want to come down to 73 kgs. I multiply that in pounds and that's my goal body weight. Uh, and sorry, that's my goal protein intake according to my body weight. So um, if you're 100 kgs, right, at 5'7", and your goal is 95 kgs, that's not technically your goal weight. Your goal weight would be a healthy weight. So let's say if you're down to 15% body fat, you're very, very lean, you're very, very muscular and lean, what would your weight ideally be? For someone who's 5'7", I would guess that's somewhere around 65 to 68 kgs. So convert that in pounds and then find out your goal weight. So that's the amount of protein that you should be taking. If you're sedentary, um, ideally still consume a good amount of protein just because there are a lot of myths surrounding too much protein is going to give you liver damage or kidney disease. Yeah, kidney stones and all that stuff. So, okay. That's absolute nonsense. That's based on pseudoscience and ideas from way back in like the 40s and 50s. So there's absolutely no science that supports that. Um, so generally, if you're eating according to your goal body weight, you should be in a good, good ballpark when it comes to protein. Understood, sir. Got that. Uh, so my last question with regards to students uh, would be, this is a question which came like uh, on the poll I did over on IG. Uh, many people, like this is a question which I got from a guy. So there are many uh, guys who complain about, you know, they say that we have gynecomastia and there are people who complain about the love handle fat. So uh, we know that there is nothing, uh, you know, as such as fault reduction, but what can be some of the practices they can implement to like, you know, get that area, like, you know, shaved off better. Do we, do we know that really? Do we know that Yash? Do, do we, we know, know that spot reduction is a myth? I've done that's so what I've heard across, like across everywhere. That's kind of disappointing, Yash, but I like, I, I can't even tell you. How many videos I've done on, on how spot reduction is a myth, yet people refuse to acknowledge it. Totally. I'll literally do a video today and tomorrow I'll get a message. How do I reduce my face fat? I just told you yesterday in my video, it's not possible. Please, I know you want it to happen, but it's not going to happen. That's just not how it works. There are some anyway, people like, so, I also heard this, uh, you know, suggestion that start chewing, uh, you know, gum. So that's going to help reduce this fat from you. And I'm like, that's absurd. Like you cannot possibly hope to like, you know, chew stuff and like get your jawline chiseled out. That, that, that was crazy. Totally. So that's, I'm actually doing a video on that right now. I just edited that video where, um, we're talking about why people think or how people think is the mechanism. What's the mechanism behind losing fat. So some people think, you know, if I just move my jaw, if I chew gum, the muscles are going to heat up and burn the fat. Okay. Why don't you take a hot water bottle, stuff it on your face and just walk around with that. You lose body fat that way, right? 
no because <laughs> it's not happening some people say oh if you you do crunches and squeeze the muscles then you're also squeezing the fat and it's going to go away okay if squeezing was how it works take a clamp put it on your abs put clamps all over your abdomen and let's see how that works out for you it doesn't work so there are lots of ways that people think spot reduction works it does not work it's just not possible so as for gynecomastia that's a completely separate issue right that's actually because of high estrogen levels so either in that case reduce your body fat or consult a doctor firstly or maybe it's possible that a lot of uh, people who use anabolic steroids develop gynecomastia because they may not be using an aromatase in- inhibitor which basically mm-hmm. is the enzyme that converts testosterone into estrogen so let's say if somebody is taking testosterone exogenous testosterone which is a steroid right and i i hope we can openly talk about steroids definitely in, your, not a problem uh, not a problem at all okay so if people are using if you're listening to this podcast and you you're using steroids i'm not against it if you want to use it it's your life but i would recommend that you consider the possibility of getting fit without it because it's possible 100% is possible but if that's your that's the route you want to take no problem at all that's your choice so when you take a lot of testosterone some of it gets converted into estrogen through an enzyme called aromatase okay so there are aromatase blockers that you're supposed to be taking with the steroids so in which case some people may not have the knowledge right some people may not be working with a doctor they might just be working with their bro in the gym who's telling them steroids le lo aap pump ho jaoge fit ho jaoge and then they don't talk about these aromatase inhibitors those people end up converting too much of the excess testosterone into estrogen and end up getting gynecomastia so in that case that's a separate medical issue that you want to consult a doctor for otherwise some people who are extremely overweight now fat tissue also regulates how much estrogen you have in your body so if you have a high level of fat body fat that's actually going to increase the amount of estrogen which is a female hormone in your body lower body fat is actually conducive to higher testosterone levels very low body fat like bodybuilders on stage kind of body fat is not conducive to testosterone that's going to completely sink your testosterone so there's a very happy range uh, anyway so what's the ideal feel- for like someone who doesn't want to compete but they just want to have that good physique for themselves and they want to remain healthy so what's the ideal body fat percentage you should aim for so ideal body fat percentage in my opinion would be between 12 to 15% for average people right anybody walking down the street 12 to 15% mm-hmm. is a good good sort of range to aim for if you're somebody who's healthy and fit and active you could bring it bring the range down to maybe 10 to 12% but if you're an athlete and obviously it depends from sport to sport an american football player who is a lineman offensive lineman can be even 20 to 25% but for most athletes a good range is anything between 8 to 12%. So what's your body so fat percentage if you don't mind me asking? No, no that's fine. I think uh, right now I'm somewhere around 10% body fat. Um okay. but over the next month and a half I'm going to be sort of pulling it down. So I'm in a maintenance phase right now. I slowly okay. brought it down to 10, maintaining it for a while and then I bring it down back to 8%. So that's going to be my final goal. and i'm sort of going to hopefully remain and maintain that so <laughs> let's see how that goes <laughs> definitely uh, so yeah um when it comes to gynecomastia uh, it's a medical issue usually so i either you bring your body fat down uh, or if you're using exogenous testosterone then definitely consult with your doctor but so but uh, just love hand just one more question uh, with regard to uh, gynac there are many people who believe that they have gynecomastia but that's not the case like it's kind of pseudo gynecomastia where you're just fat that's why you know you're thinking that you have that but you don't actually have that so like okay. uh, is there any way to you know like figure out if you actually have that or is it just your body fat which is accumulated see if you're anyway at a body fat percentage where you feel like you're potentially potentially you have gynecomastia that's probably not a healthy range so you mm-hmm. ideally want to first bring it down and if you're bringing it down and it's not going away there's still lumpy tissue there that's just indicative of gynecomastia so then you can start with a doctor right but usually when you're around sub 15% that's not going to be an issue for you if sub 15% you still have that issue then you can start with a doctor got it but if you're anyway concerned about that 
you're obviously at a higher body fat percentage, right? So my the idea would burn be off to that excess fat before you get to uh, the worrying phase. Understood, sir. So yeah, what about exactly. the lockdown part? Because that's something like okay. men and women across everyone is like, "Yeah, this how to handle it." Yeah. So I mean, I'm 10% body fat right now, and I also have a little bit of fat there. Like that's the main area that's left to go, right? So obviously you have to be at a very low body fat percentage for it to be completely gone. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have to come to terms with living with it just a little bit, just a healthy little chunky amount, something that your spouse can hold on to just a little bit is fine, right? But if you really want to bring that down, you've got to reduce your body fat overall. Otherwise, imagine what it would look like. Imagine if you had body fat under your chin, you had fat around your arms, chest. Glutes, legs, everything, but just shredded abs. How many times in your life have you seen that, Yash? Is that Never. ever happening? Never. Never. Or conversely, just a shredded chest, like proper cuts here, but a belly gut, like a huge gut, right? Not happening Never either, happen. right? No. So I mean, overall body fat needs to calm down, and that's why if spot reduction was possible, trust me. I would go get it done <laughs> because there are spots in my body that I also want to reduce the fat from. But it's just body fat comes down gradually from everywhere. Some people store it more in their um, glutes, your hips. Some people store it more in their abdomen. That just depends completely on your genetics. Understood, sir. Uh, so, so about like you know, there are people who recommend that like let's say uh, you know you want to build your chest better. So train your yeah. chest a bit more than you train your other muscle groups. So like, is that something which helps? Like, let's say, uh, I want to like get a proper, like, you know, chest cut shape. So what I do is that I chest, uh, I train my chest three days a week, whereas other muscle groups I do twice a week. So like, does that, okay. uh, like bear any positive results? Uh, that would mostly bear a negative result because understand that your skeleton is just a bone structure. right you have no control over it whatsoever you can't you can't willingly move your skeleton you can willingly move your muscles hmm. right because without moving your muscles can you actually lift your hand up you can't it's your muscles that are lifting your hand up not your skeleton you have no control yeah. over your skeleton so your skeleton your posture is determined by how strong the muscles are in different parts of your body Usually, people have rounded shoulders and sort of like a weak chest, just because they have bad posture. Hmm. If your muscles in the back were stronger, this would automatically look like a better chest, right? Yeah. So tell me yourself. If you can see me right now, I'm rounding my shoulders inside, and it sort of looks like okay, this guy is probably working out once in a while. Versus if I naturally just you know pull myself into the right posture, you'll see the shape of the chest, which is a lot better. Yeah. So don't, okay. don't just focus on the chest for the shape. The shape is going to depend completely on your genetics. The size sure. you can increase, sure, but the shape is completely on your genetics. How it's going to look visually, how you want to stand like Superman. Superman has an incredibly strong back. So if you want yeah. a good chest shape, I would recommend that you get good posture so that you have that sort of open chest, open posture sort of look. Versus that bro look where you're like you know, yeah. rounded shoulders and just walking around like, hey, what's up, girl? Smack. Yeah. <laughs> She didn't want to talk to you. Kind of look. So yeah. Got it. Got it. Uh, so so now uh, I want to talk about some of the fads which are there in the uh, like the fitness space. And the first sure. one I would like to you know ask uh, you right now is what's your take on vegetarianism? Like I know for a fact that you uh, like love non-veg. Even I do. But there are many people who, like you know, uh, preach that you know a vegetarian diet is better. So, what's your take on that? Okay, so uh, let me just clear the air air right now. I don't love non-veg. Like I eat it because it's nutritious, right? Okay. There is nutrition value in non-vegetarian food. Um, do I enjoy eating it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, do I have reward mechanisms built into my body? Yes, I do. Um, when it comes to vegetarian diets. I would love to understand why people think that it's a superior diet, uh, but in my opinion, there are a lot of. Um, firstly, animal-based protein, animal-based nutrition is a lot more bioavailable for humans. 
So if I eat chicken, for example, I can absorb a lot more protein from the chicken versus if I was to eat quinoa, right? Quinoa or let's say rajma. Rajma is considered a very good source of protein for vegetarians, right? So if I was to eat rajma versus mm -hmm. chicken, chicken protein, I would probably absorb somewhere around 70 to 80% of the protein because it's highly bioavailable, which means my body has access to the nutrition. Rajma, tell me something. When was the last time you had Rajma just like that? You didn't, right? Yeah. It's usually like, Rajma Chawal. Then you had to boil it and yeah. then eat it. Make sense? Yeah. Yes, I think I lost you there. Uh, hello, can you hear me? That's... Uh, Let's continue. Rajma Chawal. Yeah, sure. Good to go. Yes, so we lost the connection there. Okay, so uh, like I was saying, rajma, for example, you can't just have rajma like that. You have to first soak it, then you have to boil it, make sure it's very well boiled, and then you have to eat it. Why is that? Because plants naturally contain defense mechanisms. Plants don't want to be eaten either, right? That's why plant be, plants contain certain toxins, which are phytates, lectins, oxalates, different types of poisons, right? So if you ingest these plants raw, they have the potential to upset your stomach or in some cases, depending on the dosage, even kill you, right? There are incidents of uh, kids eating rajmas raw and dying, right? So when it comes to nutrition, strictly from an unemotional, logical perspective, Animal protein is just better absorbed by the body versus vegetarian sources of protein. So when it comes to comparing the two, I think in this case, animal proteins are obviously more superior, right? Um, apart from that, why a vegetarian diet is superior, I'm, I'm, I would love to understand somebody's perspective on that. But is the vegetarian diet bad? Not at all. You can live a very healthy life even on a vegetarian diet. It just mm. becomes a little difficult. Let's say, for example, I do have clients who are on a vegan diet. So it just becomes a little difficult to sustain that. From a health perspective, from a nutrition perspective, it is in no way, as a performance perspective, it's in no way a superior diet to any other. Actually, it's rather inferior because you do have to supplement a lot of times. You have to supplement with B12. You have to supplement with vitamin D. You have to supplement with... Um, all sorts of different proteins. So why would you need to supplement a diet that's superior? Understood. You don't, right? Got it. If you're supplementing, that's by definition not a superior diet. So Understood. I'm not saying vegetarian diet cannot be done. It's not a good diet. If you're doing it from an ethical perspective, absolutely great. If you think you're doing this, doing the world a favor, good job. If you think you're making this world a better place by being a vegetarian, a vegan, great on you and um, perfect from a mindset perspective. But when we're talking performance, when we're talking health, longevity, nutrition, then vegetarian diets are in no way superior to let's say a, a more holistic sort of a diet where you're including everything, not just non-veg, but vegetarian, non-vegetarian, all sources. Got it, got it, sir. Uh, so the next fad, which is like, especially uh, like, you know, on the rise for the last, I guess, couple of years, like especially in India, is intermittent fasting. Okay. So that's okay. something, you know, which many people have tried. I have also personally tried it like during, uh, like my, when my college is like, you know, uh, like, uh, like, you know, normally, uh, like open. And uh, there are many yeah. people who have a problem following an IF diet just because of the fact that you have to stay hungry for the first half of the day. And there are people who okay. report, you know, weakness and like fainting. There are people who also report uh, like gastrointestinal problems and stuff. So what's your take on IF okay. and is it like actually good to do it? Okay, so uh, I have also been an advocate for intermittent fasting. I think it's absolutely great. It's an essential part of anybody's diet. It should be done. Mm -hmm. Should it be done very regularly all the time? Probably not. It depends completely on your lifestyle and your requirements. So some, for somebody who's not very active, Intermittent fasting is great, right? For somebody who's living a very sedentary life, intermittent so fasting. Could you just hold on one second? Just could you just hold on? Yeah, one yeah absolutely, 
Absolutely. Yeah, sir. Sorry for that. All right. I'll just start over. I'll have to edit so, that. So, uh, uh, no worries. No worries. So when it comes to intermittent fasting, I'm personally, I've done intermittent fasting a lot, right? I've done prolonged fasting as well. As a nutritionist, it's my job to try out anything and everything that comes up in the nutrition space. So intermittent fasting um, is essential to everybody's life. Right? You should mm -hmm. be doing it at some point or the other, just because it does have potentially a lot of health benefits, such as cellular autophagy. It's basically a cleanup mechanism, right? Now, um, as for the benefits of intermittent fasting, autophagy, for example, can you get that from not intermittent fasting? Absolutely, you can. You can get that through exercise. But how many of us are actually exercising at a high level and pushing ourselves to that high level? We're not. If a lot of us are living that sedentary lifestyle, intermittent fasting is an excellent option and you should include it in your life. If you're an athlete who's performing, let's say, two-a-day trainings, then intermittent fasting is probably not the best approach for you. So it depends completely on your lifestyle. So if like, let's say, uh, like there's someone who trains like very actively, like let's say I go to, so let's say like, uh, this is a post, uh, like this is a personal problem I faced. So what I used to do was that I used to work out early in the morning, like 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And I used to work out on an empty stomach initially, like when I started diet. And then I would take my first meal at 2 p.m. So I realized somewhere that, okay, this is probably wrong. Like this is probably for the people who are working out in the like late afternoon or in the evening. So like, is that like something which is adjustable? Absolutely. So instead of skipping out breakfast, I would recommend that you skip out dinner instead, because you do want to get access to protein somewhere around your training. Like we previously discussed, if you're getting protein within two hours before or after your workout, you're in a good space. But if you're working out at 6 a.m., finishing out at 8, and then eating your first meal at 2, that's probably not a good idea. That's too long a gap without any protein, and that's actually going to hamper your growth. So, um, again, it, intermittent fasting, there are no hard and fast rules. That's the beauty of it. It's so flexible. You could yeah. be training at 6 a.m. in the morning, do intermittent fasting. You could be training in the afternoon and doing intermittent fasting. When it becomes a problem is for somebody who's performing at a high level. If you're training once a day, that's not high level. If you're doing two day, two a day trainings, that is high level, right? Okay. Or even for some, in fact, for some people, uh, let's say physique athletes who are doing a cardio session in the morning and training in the evening and preparing for a bodybuilding show, right? They're very, very low body fat. Intermittent fasting can be great, but is it for everyone for performance in, in this context, a performance aspect? No, it's only to get you down to that very, very low body fat percentage. So yes, oh. intermittent fasting is a good tool, but you shouldn't, that shouldn't be the only thing that you do in life. You sh your life shouldn't revolve around intermittent fasting. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So like you should like, so make it a part of your life, but don't like follow it totally hard and fast kind of thing. Yeah, just figure out what type is nice for you, what type works for you. So it could be once a week, it could be twice a week, it could be daily. It's different for different people. Got it, sir. got it. The last question uh, for the podcast interview. Uh, there are many people, sure. you know, like, uh, you're like, you're around the ideal age for, you know, like, according to Indian aunties, the marriage wala age. So there are many people, you okay. like, you would have seen this in your friend circle, I'm pretty sure. That, you know, people okay. like right before they marriage, they go on that extreme cut to, you know, get as a in shape for their marriage. But now just for marriage, like even like in general, there are people who have that approach that, okay, I'll just eat like there's no tomorrow for six months and right around Holi or the summer season, I'll go on a super extreme cut and I'll like shred that. And then once I'm done with whatever the reason was for which I shred it, I'll again like go back to like eating like, you know, like totally haphazardly. So should people like train consistently and make sure that they are on like, you know, a good level throughout or is this okay to, you know, like just let uh, go up into the wind and like, just like uh, get down to serious training when you need to like, you know, look good. Okay. So that's an excellent question that people don't usually address. In my opinion, and people say this all the time, right? Life is a marathon, it's not a sprint. There are lots of reasons behind that. 
So from a psychological perspective, if you're doing that, you obviously don't have a healthy relationship with training, right? Yeah. And by relationship, I don't mean a romantic relationship. By relationship is the outlook that you have towards health and lifestyle, right? Mm. You're not seeing it as a tool for enhancing your life. You're seeing this as a punishment that you're supposed to go through for the reward of somebody telling you, oh my God, you look so slim, right? So, I mean, you got to figure out why you're doing this. The answer should be, I'm doing this for myself and not for somebody else to tell me that I'm good. If that's the answer, you're in a good space. But if you're doing this just so that other people can tell you that you have value, then you need to first address the fact that why is it that you think you don't have value, right? And why does it happen usually that people think that they don't have value? Is because they don't have anything to back it up. If today, Yash, you hadn't started this podcast, right? You're just sitting at home, going to college, coming back home, not doing anything that you feel is significant for your life. You're going to have low confidence. You're not going to believe in yourself. And there are two ways that you're going to showcase that. Either you'll stop going out in public, or when you do go out in public, you'll be that loud guy like, oh my God, look at me, look at me, man, I'm this, I'm that, right? Because you're yeah. trying to get that, that, that sense of love, that That's sense validation of validation. Kind of Absolutely. So it's not the validation from people that you really need. And I know this because I've been through this. I have that experience all thanks to the age that I'm at, like you elaborate, <laughs> elaborated right now, because I, I, am, I am at that age. But I've learned that, you know, in life, once you really start achieving things for yourself, if Virain started, if Virain went out and, you know, was placed at Mr. India, he won uh, Mr. India up, then okay great Virain you did a great job but somebody else made you the winner so was it really your thing maybe now Virain went out trained every single day for an entire month at the end of the month I'm like oh okay that's interesting last month I didn't do that but this month I have a little bit of self-respect because I told myself I'm going to do something and I did it yeah. so that built sure. confidence so when I go in front of somebody else I'm not going to expect them to treat me a certain way because I've already, I already feel great about myself. I've accomplished something. Yeah. So I'm not going like, to go out and sort which, that validation. Yeah. This is something which, uh, like, have you seen the Ritik Roshan ka transformation for war? I have not. You have not? Uh, so just check out this video. Like it's his HRX brands, uh, like channel kind of promotion thing. And there were a couple okay. of videos. The first was just uh, like a transformation video. And in the second one, it okay. was kind of a 10 minute documentary from his transformation from like, he had gotten really fat, like uh, in the last year yeah. and like he shredded okay. that whole thing in six months. And he says in that video, like, I don't actually care if this movie, like referring to war goes a hit or a flop. All I know is that I gave my best effort for the six months that I trained. So, and that's yeah. all that matters. Like, you know, that self validation, you just have to be able to face yourself in the mirror and that makes all the difference totally. Absolutely. If, if, if you're the kind of person who can look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm, I'm proud of you, then you're going to be happy in life. That's been my experience, right? Somebody may refute that, no problem. But if you're the kind of person who looks in the mirror and you're like, you piece of shit, I can't believe it's another day that you've been through this and tomorrow we're going to have to start over from scratch. And I've been there as well. Then, well, you don't have that confidence and you go out and try to look for that confidence through other people by other people telling you that oh great job you know what we love you great job you gotta learn to love yourself you gotta respect for yourself but you've got to earn that it doesn't just come yeah and um, i mean we've we've gone through a lot of <laughs> we've gone around the bushes we've taken an entire road route around india to come back to the question um because this wasn't your question. I just took it in a completely different space. Um, so this, the, the question was really, I forgot the question, man. Uh, so it was like time. people go on that hardened past <laughs> thing that I'll just shred extremely. Yes, exactly. So is that something they should, or should they uh, like fall on a consistent training path? Yeah. So from a psychological perspective, we've discussed it, right? It's not healthy for you to go through that. You should aim to be healthy every single day because that's how you're really going to become confident in your own ability to stick to something. Hmm. The second aspect is how it's not good for you from a hormonal perspective. So if you put 
if let's say, um, Yash, I tell you that you need to carry a 100 kg log from here where you are to Delhi, right? So maybe you'll put that in a truck. You'll go halfway for the first day, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and you'll get to your destination. Versus I tell you, okay, now you have one day and you need to step on the gas, drive at a hundred and just be like, ah, going at a hundred, passing all the cars one by one, trying to get to your destination. You almost always will get into an accident. Yeah. And that's what happens with people, right? They lose weight like that. They get hormonal issues, right? Their body doesn't work right. Even during or after they start fainting. Why does that happen? It's because you're trying to put too much load onto your body, something it's not used to. So when I train strength and conditioning, people think conditioning, conditioning is running. Conditioning is not running. Conditioning is picking a stimulus and slowly conditioning yourself to be able to adapt to that stimulus, right? So if my goal is a hundred kg squat, I need to be able to squat 80 first, get adjusted to that, condition myself to 80, then 90, then 95, then 100. So same thing with just trying to lose weight. If you're just always healthy, if you're always fit, you're always conditioned, right? Yeah. You always have that mindset. If you're just okay. going to go for the quick and easy route, you're almost always going to fall. You're almost always going to have some side effect. When you do too much today, you're taking from tomorrow. So yeah. that's not a very healthy approach. Totally, sir. So, sir, thanks a lot for being a part of the podcast. Once again, it's an honor. It was an honor to uh, you know, interview you. And I'm pretty sure that everyone learned a lot. Like there are, are a lot of friends I have who have had a lot of myths and like, you know, doubts about this. And I'm pretty sure this episode helped clear that for you guys. And so thanks a lot once so. again. And it was My pleasure. an absolute pleasure. So. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, I'll link Sir's well. Instagram and his uh, YouTube channel. He is really putting out some really, you know, inspirational and truly like helpful content out there. And so make sure you check that out. And that's it for today. So anything uh, you want to add? Thank to you this? so much. Yeah, I just want to say you're, you're a great host, man. And I hope this works out really well for you. Thank you so much for having me on board. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you. It's so easy to talk to you. So I really appreciate that about you. Thank you, sir. I just wanted to put that out there. All right, guys.